Hello everyone, I'm sorry I'm late this week, but we've had a rather a busy, uh, a busy week and um, I've just not been able to get down to doing these studies. So here we are today in uh, Psalm 4 and this is our second look at this uh, chapter, this psalm. And I just want to read a couple of verses. You sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. We attended a funeral recently and listened to the tributes given in the service and then afterwards to the personal comments of a number of the deceased's friends and family. What struck us was the obvious faith in action that clearly was the watchword of this dear woman's life. Not only so, but her love and devotion to her family, friends, church community and all around her and in her work amongst children. She wasn't a preacher or she she didn't have her name in lights anywhere as far as I know, but it seems to me that it might well be written over her life, godliness. And that's what I want to think about particularly today. I wonder, as I think of myself and many of those I know, could that be said of us? Would that be your and my epitaph were we to leave this world today? So what about our verses? David addresses his God in prayer first, as we've seen, and that always should take priority. Then he speaks to the sons of men. Who are they? Aren't we all sons and daughters of men? Well, naturally, of course we are. But I take it that what is meant is that that is all they were. Whereas those whose faith is in the living God are in a blessed relationship with him. Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, you remember, when she was weeping at the sepulchre, Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. How wonderful is that? You remember that John writes in the first chapter of his gospel, as many as received him, Christ that is, to them gave he power or authority to become the children of God, even to them that believe in his name. So inevitably there's going to be, or certainly should be, a massive contrast in these two verses, because they're speaking about two groups of people who have different fathers. It says about the children of men in verse 2 that their characteristics are often shame, vanity and leasing. Shame is anything disgraceful or dishonourable. Vanity is worthlessness, emptiness and purposelessness. Leasing is falsehood, deceitfulness and lies. Now please don't think that I'm saying all unbelievers are characterised by these things. I'm fully aware that's not the case and have personally experienced lots and lots of acts of kindness from people who do not profess to be Christians. However, each and every one of us is capable of those characteristics being true of us. But, and it's a very big but, there is a life that is entirely different. It's a, a life that is, as our verse says, set apart to God. A a life that is vital 
in vital daily contact, relationship and fellowship with the living God. This isn't in a monastery, a commune with like-minded people or living a hermit's existence. No, this is a life lived in the real world with real issues amongst real people that don't necessarily share our convictions and values. The characteristics of this second person are in verse 3. Set apart to God, godly, and a person of prayer. Set apart to God simply means distinct. One who has been marked out as different from all around by the very character that they bear and the things that they do and the attitudes they have towards everything and everyone. Not necessarily by the things they don't do, although that will of course also be true, different in a good sense. Not odd or peculiar or a freak. No. And that person is a man or woman of prayer, dependent upon God, trusting in his plans and purposes for their life. Then there is this word godly. It means, amongst other things, God-fearingness. In other words, giving God reverential fear and respect in all my ways. And also godlikeness, displaying the moral beauty and grace of my God in all that I think, say and do, and reflecting the beauty of the Lord Jesus in my life and therefore bringing pleasure to the heart of my God. But I also think that godliness is living my life constantly aware of being under his all-seeing watchful eye. The word is closely associated with kindness, holiness, mercy and goodness. The New Testament refers to a lot of this of this beautiful life. It says godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment let us be there with content. A quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of of the truth. It says in another place, women should adorn themselves with good works, which is becoming for a woman professing godliness. It says in another place, children and grandchildren, let them learn first to show godliness at home and to repay their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Seeing then that all these things, says another verse, those earthly things and physical things, of course, of which the writer is speaking, these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought we to be then in all holy conversation and godliness? Well, I've met thousands of people who profess Christianity, profess to be Christians. But with sadness in my heart, I'm sorry to say that I found godliness to be extremely rare. I'd like to quote one more verse for all of us to chew on today, and perhaps particularly for me to chew on. It says this, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and that which is to come. 
I appeal to you, dear fellow believer today, go in for godliness, God-fearingness, God-likeness, a godly life, a life that rightly represents the God that we profess to have put our trust in and the Saviour, who in all his ways was infinitely lovely. There's a verse in the scripture that says this, he is altogether lovely. May in some little measure that be true of you and me. God bless his word to you today.